All right, H-Town, we missed you for an entire week, but it's okay because we are back in action. This is Houston Holla live from my kitchen. It's me, Lance Edwards, alongside Joey Wyatt. In just a few minutes, Mr. Ryan Mott is going to give us his picks of the week. Ryan Mott, not so hot last week, but it's all good, brother. He's going to come back strong this week. He's ready to give you those winners in the college football realm. Speaking of winners and losers... Houston didn't look so good on the college ranks, but those big state schools look pretty darn good between Texas and Texas A&M. Did you get to watch any ball as you were working at the wing last weekend? I got to watch a little bit. You know, actually, I did watch a lot of the U of H Tech game. I thought it was a good game. Uh, it definitely didn't go the way I wanted it to, but their jerseys were pretty. <laughs> can, can you pull up your Facebook posts for people who haven't read it? Because you gave the U of H football program under Dana Holgerson just such an amazing recap. I mean, just to let you people know, I believe it was 21 to 7 Cougs, and then the game ends up going 38 to 21. <laughs> Off camera last week, I will say that Ryan and I both agreed that U of H would stomp tech, and I thought it was going that way. But what did you say, Joey, on Facebook? What was your post about Cougar football's back? You know, I, I'm not a huge Dana Holgerson fan, and everybody knows that. And before the game on live TV, he said they call him Wreck Tech. Well, they're about to get wrecked. And I knew the second he said that, right. like, it was, it was, uh, shut up, dude. Uh, so RG3 was actually commentating the game and i think he's better on the microphone than he ever was on the field no disrespect Ooh. rg3 because i was a fan buddy uh rg3 during the game on houston qb clayton tune live tv this guy looks like a man trying to change a diaper completely lost out there that's houston qb clayton tune i thought it was hilarious <laughs> but he wasn't wrong i'm just throwing the sound effects to rg3 but what's what did you you said something in particular though Okay, so yeah. Yeah, I want to hear your recap of Cougs football. Then I'm going this to move was, on to Rice. This was a recap of the Houston Cougars football game. Three interceptions, up 21-7, to seven, blown 14-point lead, delay a game on a fourth and inches on the final drive of the game, two fumbles on one play, 24-7 run by the visiting team to end it out. And a terrible special stakes team, spe blah, special team mistake, to basically lose the game for Houston. And I said, hey, man, Cougar football's back. <laughs> I'm playing with the sound effects. Hey, today. so sorry. I'm loving it, brother. Sorry about my little fumble there. I had a little minor gum surgery yesterday, man, and I am in pain. Joey was over there smacking yeah. his gum. Yeah. All right, a man who's not smacking his gums to get his uh, kicked off for week two of the NCAA season is Ryan Mott. He is hold on hold right now. And He's up in Dallas, Texas. Are you going to go catch a little SMU football? Watch some record-breaking scores up there, Ryan? I hate SMU. You there, guys? Yeah, we're here. Can you hear us? Yeah, I got you. I got you now. Yeah, I wonder, what are you doing up in Dallas? Are you going to watch some college football or going to check out the Sooners? What are you doing? Man, I wish. I was really hoping that Dallas game would have uh, been a home game tonight. Might have checked out the Cowboys, see a little Tom Brady. Uh, could have been a good time, but but instead I'm on my way back home. Gonna watch it in my garage. All right. So I know you have a couple of games already picked out that you want to discuss. I just want to throw this out there for the local H Town community. It's the Bayou Bucket, baby, at Rice Stadium. It's the Cougs and the Owls. Rice blew a game of their own. They had a chance to knock off SEC foe Arkansas. You told me, oh, Arkansas covers, 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 covers. Well, they only covered because Rice blew it up in the fourth quarter and just <laughs> gave them 21 points. But Arkansas did cover. Arkansas plays Texas this weekend. I think Texas is going to smash personally. 
but Rice and U of H, I mean, is that just, it's an eight-point spread. Can you at least give Rice the benefit of the doubt and take the points this week? What do you think, just off the top of your head? I know this is not going to be your lock, but I have to play Rice. I might even have to tease it to 14. U of H was horrible. So on this one, uh, this is not going to be a play for me, but uh, if, if you held a gun to my head, maybe pick a side. I got to go back to the well and go with U of H. Uh, yes, Joey, you're right. Clayton Toon looked just like a fish out of water last week. The guy was just not very good. Uh, but I think Holgerson and, and, and Toon, they, they get it together this week. Bryce is not that tough of an opponent. You know, it, it, I can see this kind of going similar to the Arkansas game. Rice comes out, keeps it very close, plays some good football, but then uh, U of H is going to run away with it. Uh, to your point, Lance, I am with you on the tease, except I'm teasing U of H down to two if it was a play. There you go. So I kind of like that play as well. So, I mean, you're right on point there. Give somebody a field goal win or whatever. Again, I'm just, I might play that for fun because I have a little bit of interest in that game because I am a Rice Owls fan. So, all right, who do you got on the hot plate? It looked like you were looking at the Iowa Iowa State game is that your is that your big lock of the week? So that's one of them. Uh, we'll talk about that one first. Uh, you know these two teams obviously in state rivalry they hate each other when it comes to playing football. Uh, it, throw out the records. Whether this game is early in the season, late in the season doesn't matter. Throw out the records. Throw out the stats. It's going to be a great game. Brock Purdy, experienced quarterback, he's going to show up to play. Uh, I do I do not believe that Iowa will be able to run the ball like they did against Indiana. Uh, by the way, a very damaged Indiana team. I actually took that play last week on the side, uh, took Indiana and got hammered. Uh, but come Me to too. find out, I didn't do enough research. And quarterback was not 100%. They had some other injuries. <clears throat> Just didn't go our way. Uh, this week, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me go back. Also, last week, uh, Iowa State didn't look all that great. However, Brock Purdy was 21 for 26, no interceptions. Now, with that being said, no touchdowns either. Uh, this week, I think they get it together. They have a great coach at Iowa State. They have great fan base. The game will be at home. The, the energy in that stadium is going to be crazy. I think Iowa State pulls out the win uh, and, and does it in, in solid fashion. Uh, just to make one more note on that from a gambling standpoint, when you're looking at a, at a football game and you're saying, okay, this team played fantastic last week. They ran up and down the field. They had it all together. This team over here didn't do so hot. Iowa State did not do so hot. They barely, they barely beat Northern Iowa. Uh, when you see that, but then the following week, these two teams play and the line looks really skewed, such as this game. That's what I always call a trap game. They're ba- Vegas is baiting you to bet one way. They know the public's going to do it. I looked at a, a consensus earlier, 73-27 on Iowa. I love that. That tells me go the other way. I'll have my money on Iowa State. I suggest you do too. All right. You can put your money on Iowa State. I'm still going to do a little bit more research before I officially make that pick and follow you. Uh, what's your second game you got going out there this week, Ryan? Second game we're looking at, it's kind of a similar situation. Uh, you've got Tennessee and Pitt. Now, both teams did win last week. Both teams looked good, but both teams didn't really play a very tough opponent. Uh, Pitt's coach is a genius when it comes to defense. Tennessee's quarterback, I give him a, I give him a C plus on the game. 
Uh, I think that defense puts a lot of pressure on him. They contain him. Tennessee won't be able to move the ball up and down the field at will. Uh, the, the defense definitely holds them to, to a lower points. Uh, I would even look at Tennessee under the team total. I'm not sure what it is yet, so I don't want to say I would play it or not. I'd have to find out what it is. Uh, but in that game, I believe Pitt comes out, shows up, plays a solid football game, and gets the win. Yeah, you know, uh, Tennessee in the SEC power rankings this week is in the bottom five. I think they come in at number 10, the 10th-ranked team in the SEC. Uh, I know it was a blowout late. They did not cover a huge spread last week. I think the spread was like 35 or 37, and they won by like 31 points or something like that against, I believe, Bowling Green. Um, But still, man, I mean, Tennessee (laughs) is just – reeling from the past few awful recruiting classes and just in the back of their head that they just can't be Alabama. And Joey and I have talked about that on this show, on this podcast. We've mentioned multiple times about how Tennessee is one of the most lit up, enthusiastic, we're the best fan bases, but they haven't done anything since like 1998. No, and it's the same story every season, man. Tennessee is going to be so good. I kind of put them myself in the same story as Georgia, Man, the hype is there every year, and the recruiting class is mediocre. They overachieve, but then when it comes time to win the big game, they just can't do it. In the last couple of years, they've been terrible. The hype's there every year. The fans are like, man, we're going to do this damn thing, and then they go out there and Dallas Cowboys it every year. So speaking of Georgia, Ryan, you nailed that play. You did go 1-2-1 one, and one last week. Are you going to try to redeem yourself, or are you only keeping this at two picks? You have a bonus third is, and fourth pick for us this week. This plays that I'll be putting my money on, but I, I have researched a couple of other games, and and I'll just give you some you know quick little rundown here. Uh, one game, one team I do like is A and M. Uh, they're seventeen point favorite against Col- a very weak Colorado team. Colorado doesn't have the best recruiting classes; they never have. Uh, they'll show sparks of talent every now and then, but I, I believe A&M is going to get it together. Uh, I know they covered last week against Kent state, but I'm going to throw that out. Uh, they the, week one, you, you come back week two, you fix the problems, you fix the mistakes. And I just believe A&M rolls. Uh, this is one, one game where I'm going to have to agree with the public. The public's all over A&M. Uh, haven't really seen any, any inferences of sharp, sharp money coming in on Colorado. So I'm just going to roll with it on this one. Going to take A&M, I lay the 17 points. Uh, other than that, uh, I think my only other one was something we've actually already talked about. Uh, going back to that that Rice and uh, Rice and U of H game, but it's not going to be a straight-up pick. It's going to be a teaser. Uh, I would go ahead and take the teaser with U of H down to minus two. I'm bringing them down to 10. Uh, or, I'm sorry, 11. And I, I would probably put a solid nickel on that. What is a solid nickel? You putting five hundred dollars on that? Hey man, you got to bet big to win big. All right, I hear you, man. I hear you. All right, uh, one that I want to bring up. I don't know if you've researched this. Rutgers against Syracuse. Syracuse has struggled the last three or four seasons. Uh, Shiano back at the helm for Rutgers and the Scarlet Knights put a pounding on whoever they played last week. That game's coming in at Rutgers, minus two, minus two and a half, back and forth, on the road in the Carrier Dome to play the Orange. Kind of a rivalry, New York University versus uh, New Jersey University. I mean, 
Can you put a little money on Rutgers? I mean, do you think that's a safe play? They're a three-point favorite, essentially, on the road, well, which you said last week means they might actually be a six-point favorite. At true. Uh, it actually is ticked down to two and a half. Uh, all the money is on Rutgers. Or, I'm sorry, all the public betting is on Rutgers, yet the spread is falling. Why would that happen? Money is what moves the spread. So you're looking at sharp money coming in on Syracuse. Uh, you know, tough one for me personally. Rutgers did play very, very well last week. Uh, it, it, you know, a couple of stats. You know, Scarlet Knights are 4-0 against the spread in their last four games, allowing less than 170 passing yards. That trend fits here. Uh, but on the flip side, Scarlet Knights are 0-6 ATS in their last six games following a straight-up win. Ooh. So what that tells me is that Rutgers wins a game, but they can't come down off the hive winning the game. They lose focus of what's happening next week. Syracuse is a tough team. They're no joke. Syracuse is going to show up to play. They're playing at home. Man, I, if I'm going to bet this game, I got to go with the orange. Okay. I mean, I like you. I respect that. So that over-under is actually 52. And Syracuse, if they're going to get it done, they're going to get it done on defense. They sh- they proved last year that they were a defensive stopping machine. So uh, we'll see. What? We'll see how that pans out. I got to tell you this, Ryan, before I know you get off and you go enjoy yourself in Dallas. You realize in that Texas A&M cover last week, and I only know because I had them covering in a two-team parlay with South Alabama <laughs> over Southern Miss. <laughs> South boy. Alabama smoked Southern Miss, so it was a fun little parlay for me. I had to watch the end of that Aggie game because in the last six minutes of the game, Kent State had two possessions first and goal in the last six minutes of the game. A pick, a pick almost six, stuffed, and they missed a 27-yard field goal that would have covered spread. And then with time winding down, A&M punted the ball away. Kent State goes right down the field against their third-string defense. A&M holds them, and Kent State tried to go into gameplay mode, calls a timeout, sends the kicker out for a 30-yard kick or so, and he missed that one wide left too. So he missed two chip shot field goals in the last six minutes of the game to help A&M cover spread. Amazing how it works, right? It's crazy. A win's a win, but a good friend of mine used to say, never trust a kicker. They're not even real people. (laughs) Kickers don't have souls. Kickers do not have souls. Kickers are not football players. They're soccer players with helmets. They're they're (laughs) soccer players with helmets. Yeah, he's a soccer player just wearing a helmet. All right, Ryan. Well, hey, we'll monitor. So do you want us to get you want you want us to put you on Iowa? Excuse me, Iowa State, and you want us to put you on Pitt or Tennessee. Say it again for us. We're gonna go Iowa State minus the four and a half, and we're gonna go Pitt minus the three. Uh if the pit gets up to three and a half, I'd be real iffy there. I don't ever tell anybody to, you know, buy down or buy up. I, I typically do not buy down to three uh, when I'm taking the favorite. I will buy up to three and a half if I'm taking the dog. Uh, so I, I, I'd be leery of that a little bit. I'd probably back your bet down. But I still like it at three and a half. At three, pull the trigger, do what you got to do. All right, man. We're going to keep track of you. Hey, next week, I think you need to do a little more homework. We need four picks out of you if you go 2-0 and this week. <laughs> I know you're trying to play the field here, man. You're, you're rolling the dice and you're staying away from the uh, – the fours and the tens. I can see what you're doing right here. 
yeah, we, we everybody's got to work at some point. This was just my week to do it. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, keep working. I hope you hit your uh, nickel bet that you're going to make on your little parlay teaser. So crush it this week, and we appreciate you being on the show. And uh, we will give you a holler next week. We'll follow up with you. That's Ryan Mott. Ryan, enjoy your weekend, man. Good deal, guys. Lance, Joey, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Hell yeah, brother. Be safe, man. Bye-bye. All right. Again, that's our man. That's Ryan. Mott's Money Lines. Mott's Money Lines. we got to get like a little intro. I wonder if we can create something for him. Yeah, let's do it. We should like we should like go to a bar and just the the drunkest person at the bar (laughs) at two a.m. You work at one, so yeah, yeah. I was about to say that should be pretty easy. Get the drunkest person and just record them and say, "Hey, you're listening to Mott's Money Lines," and that can be our intro every time Mott comes in. We can put it on the soundboard, right? Lance is uh, never void of great ideas, guys. (laughs) We're definitely going to make that happen here pretty soon. (laughs) He's going to freak out when he hears it the next time he's on the show. (laughs) All right, so moving away from college football, I know we got a lot to discuss, man. Um, Texans, they're here. The season is here, and you and I are both excited. Um, I'm, I'm going to make a very, very rude statement, but I do hope they win this week. But I'm going to let. I'm just going to talk a little bit about the game coming up. I thought that Jacksonville honestly looked terrible in the preseason. They do, and, and, and the Texans are an underdog, and they're a plus on the money line. They're expected to lose. I, I mean, I would bet on my Texans. Speaking of betting, you know, I would bet on the Texans. All, I have a parlay with the Texans on the back end. I picked nine winners in college football, right? And I did a 10-team parlay for like five bucks on that one cheap website we won't talk about. But <laughs> but seriously, you can throw $5 on it, and you can win like three or 400 bucks. Hell yeah. So I picked um, a bunch of, you know, heavy, heavy favorites, and I just threw the Texans in at the end. So I was like, hey, let's do it. It's five bucks. I think they're going to win. Yeah, man, they're three-point underdogs at home uh, coming in versus a rookie starting quarterback's first ever game in the NFL. I know there's a lot of hype surrounding this kid. I've always thought Trevor Lawrence might be a little bit overrated. I do think he has I do think he has the stuff though. He's looked terrible in preseason. Let's give him a few weeks. I do think we will win this game tomorrow though. The Texans will win. I'm calling it right now 24 to 23 Texans. 24 to 23. And that might be our highest scoring game of the year, just so you know, guys. 24 points is going to be generous for this Houston Texans football team this year. But like I keep saying, I think we're going to be better than people expect. I think we're going to win some football games. It's going to be boring football. You are not going to enjoy watching it, but I do think we'll win some football games. So here's my deal. I just think that there's not even going to be 30 points scored in the game. Okay. I, really, I really think it's going to be 16 to 13, 17, 13, okay. maybe 20 to 17. Right? Uh, so like if the over under is like 43 or 50, I don't even know what it is, but I would take the under. Anyway, I've said this in the beginning. I said this two months ago and then I saw Jacksonville in preseason and we know what the Texans are. The Texans are going to three and out you. The Texans defense is going to stop you. I think. And they're going to make you play the field position game all I think they're going to be long. good. Uh, I think James Robinson had himself a nice little 170-yard game against us last year. Uh, so they got to get to him. Uh, James Robinson having a 100-yard rushing game is going to be the key to Jacksonville winning. It will open the field up for the wide receivers and for Trevor Lawrence. And I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to be under a little bit of pressure. Uh, like Lance just said, I think our defense is going to be a lot better than people expect. So I'm excited for some football. Hell, I'm excited to watch the Cowboys tonight play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do think that's going to be a great game. Dak back at 100%. Zeke looks like he's in the best shape he's been in since his rookie year. So I'd like to see a good football game. Uh, I think we're going to. Uh, I think it should be good. I got the Bucs uh, 
what, what are we? 30 to 24, Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, I have no, I have, yeah, I have no prediction on that. I mean, you just never know. Cowboys might start out eight and zero this year and then lose their last eight. I mean, they're so unpredictable. Or they might do the same other opposite of that. They might lose their first eight games and then win eight in a row. It's just crazy how Dallas comes out every year. Their fans, they never give up on them, right? Those crazy Cowboy fans never give up on them. But they'll be so down, 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 and then all of a sudden they'll get hot and their fans go nuts. It's the Super Bowl, right? So um, I, I have no prediction for a week one NFL Brady versus the Cowboys matchup. I hate, I hate that. Isn't it dumb? Everybody's saying Brady versus the Cowboys. What do you yeah. think about that? Why don't they say Brady versus Dak? They're both making $80 million total or something like that. Yeah, uh, the Dallas Cowboys had a top five historically terrible defense last year. One of the worst defenses in NFL history. So I think that's where the Tom Brady versus the Cowboys thing is is being made a story. But I do think Dak's going to come out tonight and have a great game. You know, I hate to say it because he does play for the Dallas Cowboys, but I like Dak Prescott. I think he's very capable quarterback. I think he can win some football games and. Uh, I, I want to see him bounce back from this injury because I don't want I don't want this to be what messes his career up. I want to see him play some good football and lose the right way. Yeah, I mean, hey, I like C.D. Lamb. He's on my yeah. fantasy teams, all of them. All right. So uh, Foster High School product out here in Hell Richmond, yeah. Texas. So shout out to the Falcons. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to? Are you looking to watch any games? Who's your fantasy top four players on your team this year? Who do you got? Who are you going to be watching every Sunday? Uh, so in my big league, uh, I've got a couple little $100, $200 leagues. But in my $600 league, that's the one I keep up with the most. I'm always at the last second fixing my other ones because this is the one that matters most to me. I need Russ to have a good year. I need Kamara to have a good year. All right. I need DK Metcalf to have a good year. And uh, I need... This is where it gets a little tricky. Uh, I need probably Chase Edmonds to actually break out for Arizona. Uh, he's projected to be their starting running back this year. Right. He's got James Conner in the backfield backing him up, but I don't think James Conner is much of a threat to take snaps away that you blow on the guy and he's out for six weeks. So I need Chase Edmonds to really be that breakout star. I've got him in my flex in a few different leagues, and I'm really depending on him to give me consistent points every week. Chase Edmonds was available in like the sixth or seventh round in my draft last Wednesday. Yeah, which is where he should be going. And he was right there, and I just didn't draft him. I didn't take it. I did not take it. I already had Kamara, and I had Antonio Gibson in my backfield. Oh, that would have been a that would have been a great yeah. tandem, man. To what, throw what, Chase Edmonds in there, Chase the Edmonds in there. I know, I know. So I he's went, the starting running back. He's right. going to get the ball twenty five right. times a game in one of the best potential offenses in the NFL. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be a high scoring offense, and he is the starting running back yeah, in a potential if, high scoring. If, if D Hop gets him down to the eight, does Edmonds punch it in? That's the question. Yeah, and you know, I think, but Kyler Murray is always a dual threat too. He is. So Murray's might take half the touchdowns you expect Edmonds to get. I've got anyway. Ky- I've got Kyler in a league too, so I wouldn't be mad. Uh, but no, no, I'm just Arizona's I, running game has never been their forte. It's not, but like I said, he should get the ball twenty five to thirty times again. So <laughs> or whatever. They should be exciting. So those are my four it. guys. I got Russ, uh Carson Russ, DK, Kamara, and Chase Edmonds. I need those four guys to have a great season. Last year uh, Russ, the, the entire Seattle offense, they were all top three in their respective positions going into like week nine. You know, there was probably three fantasy MVP candidates on that 
Seattle team until week nine, and then they hit a little bit of a skid. So I'm hoping they can come out and do the same thing again. And Russ looks like he's in great shape as well. He looks like he's probably in the best shape I've seen him in. He lost a little bit of weight, but he put some more muscle on. So it looks like he's trying to prevent injury. I know he plays through a lot of injuries, but I love Russell Wilson. He is probably my favorite quarterback in the league. And I've got him on a couple of fantasy teams, so I need him to come out and produce. All right. So final statement on your Texans. We predicted the score. We both think they're going to win by maybe a field goal yeah. or a one-score game, right? I just have to ask you. I just have to ask this. I'm not going to say it like I wanted to say it, but you're going to be able to read me as soon as I do <laughs> say it. But what if Tyrod gets a torn knee in the first quarter and then Davis Mills gets a concussion in the second quarter? What are the Texans doing at halftime? Is Deshaun coming out and playing? They don't have a choice because are they uh, going to put like Mark Ingram in the uh, in the uh, wildcat? They, they would probably run a little bit of wildcat. Now that you mention it, uh, I know Philip Lindsay is capable of the wildcat as well. Oh, I, we have an emergency that's why, quarterback. Is that why they have five running backs? You know, I honestly think that John Weeks is our emergency quarterback, our long snapper, and he's like forty six years old or some shit. So All I right. mean, I think he's our emergency quarterback. So Deshaun will be on the sideline in street clothes. He won't be dressed out. And, you know, that would be an interesting situation. I don't think he would play. I think they'd run some wildcat and throw John Weeks in there for a couple of snaps to hand the ball off. I don't think they'd be throwing the ball very much. but I just, It just makes me wonder, you know. I said that a little more facetiously to some of my friends and to Joey over the phone. Yeah. And, and I'll just let y'all know. I mean, I can't hold back. I'm just like, I would pay money to see what the Texans would do in that situation and what Deshaun would do. Because I don't think Deshaun has it in him to say, I'm not going to play. But he could have it in him to say, look, I chose He's been not. saying it all summer. But he could know. In that situation, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I think his, his real answer just needs to be, look, I'm not in game shape, right? <laughs> then why? Then, you know, it, it goes back to why is he on the roster? Obviously, trade bait. Yeah. So I like. I would like to see what he's doing on his own time with his own trainers. But of course, that's his own private life, and somehow he has been avoiding the media attention and what he does in his private life and his private training sessions. You know, I mean, maybe he's killing it, and he could step in for any team right now on the field and just be number four. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. Some people are just given that God-given talent. He's that good. He could not train, play, throw a ball for six months, and he would go out and still be probably a top five quarterback in the league. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see it this year. So, no. Yeah, I hope Tyrod throws for about two fifty in the running game. Shit. Gets about one thirty. We're going to be lucky to get one eighty out of Tyrod every week. We're going <laughs> to have to run the ball. We're going to be lucky to get nine for twenty two out of Tyrod. It's Taylor. no, that's not the problem. He just can't throw the ball down the field. I think well, he'll, if the preseason shows anything, they're not even dumping off to the tight ends anymore. Like at least, at least you know, I'm not saying anything about Kelly, and I'm not saying anything about Bob, who by the way dominated Miami with his Alabama offense, but he has you know a Bryce Young who's. <sighs> Pretty freaking okay, awesome. So, so the Bob did a good job. I know that's Nick Saban's team, but the Bob still had to run the team. So Bill O'Brien did a great job. But Bill O'Brien's scheme, along with Kelly, was get the tight ends involved. And I love those plays. Now, what sucked for the Texans over the last couple of seasons was simply the fact, Joey, that we had so many illegal, ineligible receivers downfield because the plays took too long to develop. We yeah. had so many dump-offs to tight ends that went for 20 yards and got called back for that stupid penalty. So... RPO, whatever you want to call it, those quick hitters to the tight ends, I'm going to be interested in seeing they're on the team. Are we going to find them? Will Taylor get the dump off to them? And those running backs too. The screen game, how will it work for the Texans this year? 
Uh, you know, I honestly think that the Texans might have, as far as depth, one of the best tight end rooms. They do. That, you know, just. But they've built that over the last few years. They have, man. So we got Ryan Izzo, Jordan Akins, Pharaoh Brown. and they, I love Pharaoh Brown. I do, too. And I love Jordan Akins as well. Yeah, Akins He's is huge. a stud, but I'm saying Pharaoh Brown in the end zone. He's like one of the I think biggest we still targets. Have, do we still have Darren Fells? Do we get rid of Darren Fells? Okay. Anyway, we don't have that one superstar, but we have four really, really good tight ends. And so they have to get these guys involved, especially since Tyrod just, he's not throwing the ball down the field. He's, it's not his forte. He can do it. It's probably not going to be an accurate pass. We have to run the ball well. Uh, these wide receivers have to get open on some out routes. Uh, a couple of times a drive so they can open up the middle of the field for these tight ends to catch the ball in between the hashes and uh, tight end success in the red zone is going to be huge for our offense this year. Uh, our tight end group has been probably our biggest offensive strength over the last couple of seasons. You know, I think Darren fell scored eight touchdowns in the first five or six weeks last year. Jordan yeah. Akins threw in five or six touchdowns. And I think our tight end group finished the year with like 19 touchdowns, and that's incredible. Uh, so we need to get that rolling again. Hopefully Tim Kelly can find a way to incorporate that into his offense yeah, because we've Dar- got the talent. Darren Fells is on the uh, only team that's going to challenge the Texans for the number one draft pick, Okay, the Detroit Lions. Okay. So he's that's gone. It is a shame. It really is. All right, so last topic of conversation here before we wrap it up. Oh, first, we're going to say whether you're watching the Texans or your Astros, maybe the Cougs or the Owls, you gotta have some snacks, right? You gotta have a bowl of Murray's craft jerky. Tell you what, we've been tasting that. It's such a tasty treat. My cousin comes in town from New Orleans, evacuates from the Hurricane Ida situation, comes over and eats three bags of my beef jerky while he's here for a week, right? Gotta get some of that Caribbean gold or that steakhouse, maybe a little teriyaki garlic, and of course, the stash burner. Go to Murray's Craft Jerky on Instagram. Their new website's up and running. Place your order, get it delivered to your doorstep, and just present that to your friends during one of the games on Sunday. I mean, put that in the bowl and then give them the website. I would give anything to be able to eat some Murray's Craft Jerky right now. My mouth hurts, man. I can't even drink water. I- I'm waiting. Strictly for your Joey's jerky. Joey's literally grimacing Aaron, every time he takes a sip yes, of water. Yes, I am. But I'll be all right. And Murray's Craft Jerky is going to be the first thing I eat in like a week. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. I'm going to order a bag of Steakhouse right now. There you go. Go do it. Murray's Craft Jerky. Go follow them. All right. Show them the H-Town love. All right, Stroh's fans. What do you got? You're, you're, you're starting to show some clutch hitting and some clutch efforts. Um, but I think that the number one topic of conversation is what are they going to do with Odorizzi? Uh, what are they going to do with, can't think of the other pitcher who's been hurt half the year, Urquidy? Are they bullpen guys? Are they going to give you two or three out of the pin? Are they going to be quality control guys? What Can you start Jake Odorizzi in the playoffs? Can you start him in a game three or a game four with the series at 1-1 or 1-2? You can't. He can't go four or five innings. He can't get out of the fifth inning. Yeah. In his defense, Dusty made a bullcrap move the other night. And I don't know if you saw Jake Odorizzi's press conference. He he was not wrong. He was right to be mad, but you just don't do that on live TV as a professional. Well, he came back the very next day, though, within 12 hours. 
And he made his PR move. All right, if you he, guys don't know what we're he talking took, he about. He took it like a man. He took it like a man. Yeah, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, Jake Odorizzi was pulled in the, uh, after five and one-third innings at 66 pitches, and Yimi Garcia took his place and immediately gave up a bomb to put us down one run. And Jake Odorizzi was very upset that he got pulled from the game because you're at 60 pitches through five innings. You're, you're on track for a nice little seven, eight inning game there. And he was pitching great. You know, his last few starts have been quality starts. And he has shown flashes of being capable. He was a Cy Young runner up a couple of years ago. But I just don't know. Uh, that's, that's tough. I want to say if it's the ALDS and because it's Dusty Baker, as much as I like Dusty, we all know he's made some questionable pitching decisions over the years. That's probably cost him a couple of rings. I'd say the lineup's going to look something like Zach Grinky, Lance McCullers, Jose Urquidy, and probably Jake Odorizzi as the number four guy. Uh, and you put Luis Garcia in the bullpen. I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to want that veteran presence in that fourth role. And, you know, it'll be situational. If we're down 0-3, then no. Sorry, Zach, you're pitching on two, three days rest. And I think if we're up 2 1 or up 3 0, then yeah, they're going to let Jake throw the game. But, you know, it's- I think if you're up 2 to 1 against the White Sox, I think Garcia's starting and Odorizzi's coming out of the pitch. Yeah, and it's going to be situational, and I think it should be. Uh, you know, Garcia doesn't have the stuff in the first two innings, gets yanked. Odorizzi comes in, pitches three. If he can give you four, and then you just trust the bullpen down the stretch. You know, and. You got to have that strategy. I'm sorry. People have given Odorizzi a lot of crap, but I have not heard anybody give Luis Garcia crap for the four or five times this year. He's come out and had a 30 or 40 pitch first inning, and he puts himself in a hole. And I think the kid's talented. I understand he's a rookie. He's never pitched above independent ball before, and he goes straight from independent ball to the MLB, and I think that's incredible in itself. That's awesome. He did pitch like three games in high A. Uh, but he wasn't starting, and he right. only pitched like 11 innings in high A, and he went straight from that to to the MLB, and he's a Rookie of the Year candidate right now. I, I believe Vegas has him as like second-best odds to win the Rookie of the Year after never pitching above high A before. And so I like the kid. I think he's got it in him, but he comes out, and he has these really bad first innings where he gives up three or four runs and is sitting on 42 pitches through the first inning, and – if we're up 2-1 against a team like the White Sox, I don't know if you can risk that, man. I just If you're up 2-1, though, it's just a short leash, though. He's either going to be hot or not. I'm really, really— he might, step up, he might step up to the plate when the when the game is on the line, when the stakes matter. You know, I'm, I'm okay with playing the Red Sox. I'm okay with playing the Yankees. I'm okay with playing <laughs> Oakland, Seattle, Toronto. I am scared of the Chicago White Sox. Well, that's who you're playing. No, that's who we're going to play. Yeah. Unless, I mean, unless, well, you barring know, a miracle. Boston's only a couple games back. Well, so barring, barring a miracle, I mean, I think you're uh, set in stone right here on this one, bud. Yeah, it's whether we're the second or third seed. Either way, we're playing Chicago. It's just whether it's going to yeah. be at home or on the road. So, you know, we're playing the Chicago White Sox, guys. That's a scary baseball team. They have the best starting rotation in baseball. They have the best bullpen in baseball. And uh, they're one of the best hit clutch hitting teams in baseball. So we cannot have these just brain fart of a games uh, it's gonna be tough so you know we'll see what happens but it's gonna be astros versus white Sox. you know me i don't watch early season baseball i might catch a few games every now and then but i've actually watched a few astros games uh in the last couple of weeks and i happened to see the one against seattle the other night 
Uh, I believe the Astros did pull it out with the Bregman and Yuli heroics. I believe it was. Yeah, hell yeah! I watched the whole game, and as it soon was as five to four win. I, I like I said, I get them all mixed up. There's too much other more important things in my life going on than Bregman. Astros baseball. But I know y'all live and die over it, so. I, I'm not yeah, going like, to talk about more, the back end of the there's game. There's more I'm important going to, things going on like Mizzou football. No, That's so exciting. No, no. There's more important things in the world going on in people's lives. It's back to school. Kids got to do homework, you know. I don't have to worry about that, but, you know. No, I get it. Yeah, Alex no, no, no. Bregman hit a bomb to tie the game. Correa walked it off with a double in the 10. Yeah, that's fine. That's cool. I'm talking about fifth inning, two to nothing lead, and like three hitters in a row. Rizzi has them 0-2. And he can't get guys out, and Seattle scratches two across the plate. Yeah. It's like that next inning, you put them away, it's over. Next thing you know, you're in a 4-2 hole going into, what, the 8th or the ninth, And then the Astros pull it out 5-4. Kudos to them for battling in the 10th through the 10th. But, I mean, that's the kind of stuff in the playoffs that's not going to fly when you get guys down 0-2 with two men on, two outs. And you're just I – mean, maybe it's just a great piece of hitting by some Seattle Mariner player I've never heard of in my entire life, you know? <laughs> Chicago yeah. doesn't have that. Chicago's got some ballers on their team. Hey, last thing I want to talk about, not Astros related. Javi Baez. I know you're a baseball enthusiast, and, and I've never liked him because he was a Cub, right? But, man, the dude is mashing right now. Like, I think he's one of the most impressive, you know, of course, besides Shoei. But, I mean, Baez is mashing for the Mets. It seems like every night, I'm not, like, watching the games. I'm just looking at the ESPN bottom line. He's, like, yeah. four for four one night, two for four with a double and a home run, three for four with two home runs. It's like every night the dude is mashing. What are your thoughts on him and just how the free agency game and how the, uh, you know, I'm playing for a better contract here, contract season, how does that work in your mind? Because, you know, Carlos Correa is kind of in a contract year, too. So, like, does Baez set the market for Correa? Or does Correa just have a totally, totally different standard because he's just such a good defensive player? What? How does that work? Because they're kind of the same guy. They're both left side of the infield. Javi. Right? Isn't uh, Javi a third baseman? No. He's, he's, a, shortstop? he's a second base. He's playing second. Oh, I thought he's he playing, playing second for the Mets. He's a shortstop. He's playing second for the Mets. Okay, so he's playing shortstop in Chicago is what I thought. No. Yes. When he was in Chicago. Yeah. He was playing shortstop. Yeah, he was. So they switched him to second base yeah, now because they got uh, okay. Lindor so I was, there. I was just wondering what the whole the whole left side of the infield game like. Wouldn't if Baez is mashing and Correa is not, and Baez goes out and asks for one fifty, Correa can't ask for one fifty right now because he's not mashing. Javi Baez is hitting two fifty one with twenty eight home runs, but he sucked the whole first half of the year. Carlos what, what, Correa what, is hitting two seventy eight with twenty five home runs. I'll, yeah, but what have they done in the last month? What if the I'm not Mets, asking you to look up stats, stats. I'm just saying right now the stats have been crushing it. The Astros are a better Baez baseball team than the Mets it. the last month. Well, that, Mets that fucking can't get a... Oh, I'm right. sorry. I just dropped an F-bomb. The Mets can't get above 500. They haven't been able to all season. And, you know, there's not, been... That's, that's even tougher than... I'm just saying from a standpoint of the dude is crushing it. Yeah, he is. setting the he market is. price. The Astros will not be in a competing price if Correa comes out and says, Javi Baez is getting this and he's worse than me. I want more than Javi Baez. Astros have to say, see you later. We can't afford that. I think Fernando Tatis set the market when he signed a $340 million contract yeah, after his also, rookie season. He's 10 years younger than those dudes. Well, he's six, only five six, years younger than Correa. Correa is only 26 years old, but still, but he's young. In opportunity cost, in five years, Tatis will be at the end of his peak. Correa will be crippled. Give Correa $200 million. <laughs> throw it at him, Jim Crane. Whoa. Eight years, 25 a mil with incentives for staying healthy. Let's get the deal done. He will take it. 
25 million a year is not going to break your bank. You're giving out Tuve 29 a year. You're giving Bregman 26 a year. And right now at their points in, the, in their careers, I would take Carlos Correa over both of those guys. Offer him $25 million a year, eight years, get it done, 200 mil with incentives. 25. And he's here. 25 is steep, but that'll be the It's question. really not. There's, there's guys that pitch every seven days making 38 mil a year. 25 mil a year for the most important position on the field is not very steep. Well, his defense is what stands out the most to me. Yeah, he's one of the best defensive shortstops. Yes, he is in a baseball. good hitter, but he's one of the best defensive, like you said, defensive shortstops. So he's a critical, critical player on the left side of the infield for the Strohs. Bottom so. line is you're not better without him. I don't care what people say. Well, what if we bring in Story? Yeah. Well, what if we bring in Simeon? You think if we won't sign Carlos Correa, they're going to give Trevor Story money? Hell no. So, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it doesn't make sense. You're not better without Carlos Correa. End of the day. Right. But that's not the whole question. I, that's, that's duh. That's a duh moment right there. Duh. You need Carlos Correa to be better. Carlos Correa is a baller. He's a leader. Hey, well, you're saying duh, but I, I have this argument with five people a day who don't understand that. No, well, no, no, no. I agree. I'm just talking yeah. about. I'm just talking about. Is Javi Baez is Baez affecting the Astros' pocketbook? He could. It could eventually. I don't think so, though. He's literally playing for money. He's literally like he he phoned it in in Chicago. He goes to New York, and now he's like the hottest player in baseball. Again, yeah, but, but he's I like, think he's like back to like being on the front of the MLB the show cover. You know, he's like he's that Javi Baez again. If anybody's having he's an back effect, to World Series champion status. If anybody's having an effect on the New York Mets for what's going to happen with Carlos Correa's contract, it's Francisco Lindor because he's over there hitting like two ten after signing a three hundred thirty million dollar contract, and that's what's going to affect the Astros wanting to pay Carlos Correa. I think Lindor is going to have more of an effect on Correa's contract than Baez will. I think Correa is a career man, kind of like Biggio was. And honestly, I really hope and I think, and it's interesting to see in the future, will they ever allow these guys to do some kind of like partial ownership and have some kind of involvement in the organization as part of their contract? Because I think Correa could go a long way influencing the Astros organization to pick guys like him out of those uh, you know, outside the United States leagues, yeah, Latin American leagues. So I think that's your play. I wish the Cardinals would have done that with Albert Pujols when he wanted 10 years, 400 million or whatever, and look at the back end of that contract. If they would have said, hey, okay, then after your 10 years are up, you give us 10 years of your service in our organization. We can stretch that money out a little bit. It's going to be guaranteed money for you. You'll get the money. But I just believe, be a part of our organization. I believe the Angels actually did that. Did they do that with him? Yeah, so... Because he's a great baseball mind. He's a teacher of the game. Yeah, so as part of his contract, when he signed his 10-year contract in Los Angeles, they said, we will give you all of this money, and he signed a huge signing bonus if you'll join our front office yeah. after you retire. That's so he actually has a front office contract for like the next seven years, and that was part of him going to Los Angeles. So now he's the in the Angels. Dodgers uniform. Yeah. But he's, it, he'll when, have to return. When he retires, he has to go back to Los Angeles well, and work the for Astros, their front office. If the Astros are going to give that 25 mil to Correa, and you're hearing it right here first on Houston yeah. Hollow, because all the guys I listen to in this damn city don't say things like this. Yeah. They just talk out of their hole. And I'm just going to say Carlos Correa needs to be a part of this organization in the front office if they're going to give him Lindor money, Tatis money, and whatever Baez is going to demand here in the next three months. Right. 
Give the money to Correa, like Joey said, but have some kind of front office tie built in. Let that guy be a part of this franchise for the next 15 years of his life. Yeah, man, you are, you already have your core players locked down. You already have Bregman and Altuve locked down. Grinky and Verlaner are gone anyway. There goes 70 million free dollars next season, 80 million free dollars next season. So you got Altuve, you got Bregman locked up for the next five years. You're not better without Correa. You're losing 80 mil on the books. Sign the guy. Bring Yuli back on a one-year 10 mil deal. Bring up Jake Myers. Let him do his thing for a whole season. Brantley's got one more year on his deal. We still got Alvarez. We still got Tucker on rookie contracts for the next couple of years. You have to sign Carlos Correa. You just have to. 25 mil a year is not going to break the bank. You're losing 80 mil on the books anyway. Just do it. Just get it done. Okay. You know, I think we're done rambling about the Astros. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, don't break the bank this weekend with your picks for college football. Be careful with your betting if you have a problem. There are Gamblers Anonymous hotlines that will help you at any point in time, just as if you were drinking or have depression as well. All right, call those hotlines. Seek out help. Everybody's here for you. Remember, Ryan Mott just gives you advice. He's not really telling you to put a whole nickel on (laughs) (laughs) Iowa State at home and – Pittsburgh going on the road and beating Tennessee. That's all we got this week. We'll be back with Mott next week. Hopefully we can get a little podcast in, if not Sunday during the NFL football craziness, maybe Monday or maybe Tuesday. Joey and I will link it up. It'll probably have to be Tuesday, dude, because I'm watching the, the I'm watching the Texans game Sunday at noon. That's what I'm going to be doing until I go into we work. We can do a podcast in the fourth quarter. All right, all right, all right. We'll As figure they're winning out. and being 1-0. The next time we see you, the Texans will be 1-0. The Dallas Cowboys will be 0-1, and that's why we love it. Houston, holla. Hugs and high fives, baby. Hugs and high fives, Houston.